0: again i'm ben i'm the late pastor uh so glad to be back and uh decided to come back in the middle of this series didn't see it coming Uh, and also on daylight savings time uh weekend and so uh, we all lost a little bit of uh, sleep and i don't know about you how many of you are morning people okay there uh some of you you would say well let's just say you're not morning people Okay, yeah, that, uh, at this service, I would uh, expect that, uh, so, yeah. and I know for many of you, because uh, you I talk to you all the time, and you say, man, I really love the 1130 service. This service starts at 1115, and we have music. I just want to let you know that. I know some of you are wondering why this church doesn't have music. We do, if you show up on time. Uh, well, just saying. But uh, my wife and I were gone. We actually uh, did really a, a Journeys of Paul tour in Greece and Italy. Uh, went to Corinth and Mars Hill and in Greece and uh, the Colosseum and we're paul landed in italy and all of that and that was uh, a lot of fun but there was a nine hour time change with that as well and uh, that is a little difficult Uh, one of us is a morning person in our family and one of us is a non-morning person uh, and i am the morning person and so uh, with that i have an uh, alarm on my phone which my wife hates because it's sort of one of those loud you know like foghorn kind of alarms But usually I wake up earlier than that and can shut it off, so it's not a big deal. She has a wonderful alarm, and it's like these birds, they just chirp a little louder and a little louder. And uh, with the nine-hour time change, it threw her off, and we we were in Italy, and we were waking uh, up as the birds were chirping just a little louder and a little louder, and she turns to me and says, shut that off. And I said, I can't, they're real. Uh, <laughs> so uh, many of you are like that. You're, you're just taken by surprise. You didn't see this whole daylight savings time thing coming. Uh, in fact, I was uh, thinking about things that change in our society. We're going to get to see uh, your generation a little bit about you. Uh, how many of you, uh, be honest, how many of you remember when you used to have to memorize someone's telephone number? yeah and if you didn't have the number you would look it up where in a phone book yeah how many of you uh uh, remember when you paid your bills by a thing called a check yeah some of you are saying you still do and that's wonderful we want to welcome you to this generation anyway uh, uh, but uh, there's all those kind of things that we didn't see you remember when you used to call time isn't that weird that we would call time. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, How many of you remember when you would use a map for directions? Yeah, you remember that, yeah. You didn't know. Are you thankful we don't have maps anymore that we actually in fact I bet you the divorce rate has gone down uh, since GPS. Uh, And then uh, other things we didn't see coming. Remember blockbuster video? Yeah. I mean, who, who would think they would be out of business? In Montgomery, well, we saw that one coming. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, there, there are things that we don't see coming in life, and they take us by surprise. And I'm going to look at one of those things. Last week, we got an incredible response. Pastor Dave Nelson, uh, who speaks here quite often, uh, he spoke uh, and he started this series on cynicism, how we don't see that coming. Today, we're going to look at uh, that running on empty, the emptiness that we can feel that sometimes we don't see coming. And see, here's, here's what we usually do. We think, okay, uh, I'm going through life, and, I, and there's maybe a void in my life, and if I could just start a relationship, start dating, then that would be great. Or if we could get engaged, or if I could get married, or if we could have kids. And yet, it doesn't seem to fill the void. Or career-wise, hey, if or, or you're in school, if I could just graduate from high school or graduate from college or pass finals week, I know, or, uh, you know, is a big deal. Or if I could get a job or if I could get promoted uh, or if I could maybe buy that thing. Uh, uh, housing prices, of course, are crazy in Washington State. And you're like, if I could just buy a home and then you have a mortgage payment, and then uh, it's one of those things, and it never seems to satisfy. In fact, our, our society now has gone the, the total opposite way. In fact, there's a, a show that no one saw coming on Netflix called Tidying Up. Any of you uh, watch that, Marie Kondo? You watch? Yeah. It is literally transforming America. Truly, there's been articles written on it. Do you know that thrift stores and donation centers have had more donations than they can handle because of this TV show on Netflix? Literally, they've been overwhelmed like never before because this sweet woman has said, you will be happy if you tidy up a little bit. And she, if you watch this, she'll show you how to fold a shirt. And you can't do it that way, but she does it that way. And the idea is, if you just declutter your life, you will be happy. And and, and, uh, the way she does it, you got to go through this ritual. And you go into your closet. And you have too many clothes in your closet. And so you need to grab your shirt, and you need to ask your shirt a question. (laughs) Do you bring me joy? (laughs) And if no, you get rid of it. And then you go through, you know, you go to your, I have too many books, and I'm going to grab my book. Do you bring me joy? You get rid of it. You have too many coffee makers. Do you bring me joy? No, you get rid of it. You grab your toddler. You say, do you bring me joy? (laughs) uh, you Don't do that. That, (laughs) uh, So, but the idea is, there's always this thing, and this thing fills the emptiness. And you may not be there now i hope you aren't honestly but we all run on empty at some point in our lives in fact uh, this series is based on a book by carrie newoff called didn't see it coming very loosely so if you read the book it's really not the the same material per se Uh, and he says things that everyone experiences but no one saw coming and at some point, we're going to feel like we're running on empty, and the time to prepare is before then, but even if you're there now, God has a word for you. We've been spending quite a bit of time in this last uh, season, sometimes we'll go through a book of the Bible or a section of Scripture, but we've been going through uh, themes and pieces of Scripture, maybe a, a chapter or a couple paragraphs, and we've spent a lot of time in the wisdom literature of the Bible lately. Uh, The Bible, there's prophetic literature tells about the future, there's the gospels about the life of Jesus, there's historical accounts, there's letters to churches, there's a songbook in the Bible, and the wisdom literature is not life how we want it to be, or even how God necessarily wants it to be. It describes life as it is, and and much of this is written by Solomon, who is the second king of Israel. Uh, He was uh, an incredible person. He was... Uh, gifted across multiple fields he was the wealthiest person who had ever lived at that time i mean he had bill gates and and warren buffett money and well beyond that he had turned israel which was a puny little nation into a global superpower and so you'd think he had all these relationships he had success that really no one could compare to and yet he found himself running on empty in the midst of that you couldn't even imagine it and here's what we read we're going to start uh he says meaningless meaningless says the teacher utterly meaningless everything is meaningless and you know that 37 more times in in the book of ecclesiastes he repeats that and he he's he's just in this place and it's a dark place and he's running on empty now, now, theologians and historians would say uh, that Solomon uh, had started to drift spiritually, and uh, through archaeology, we can tell that by the idols around that time period that were dug up around Jerusalem. And see, he thought it was—he started to think it was about him, and yet he got more empty. He writes, "Generations come and generations go." But the earth remains forever. He's basically saying, you know, people come and people go, but nothing really ever changes. He says, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. And, uh, you know, this is not a book that gets better. uh, (laughs) By the way, if you've never read the Bible, don't start with this one. Uh, This, uh, he says, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I I had toiled to achieve. And by the way, this guy was a winner. Like, he wasn't the top 1%. The top 1% was way below what he ever achieved. He said, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And he gets to this place where... He's, he's just not happy anymore. Things aren't working out for him. And he tries all these things. He tries pleasures, and, and it just doesn't feel that empty. Now, as, as, as I was in Italy, one of the things that I saw that, that I thought was, they're sort of uh, interesting. I love the architecture and so forth. And there was a sadness as well. There was all sorts of people, really, that go to these religious sites looking, looking really to, to connect with God, and yet there was an emptiness. It was more about ritual than relationship. Uh, one of the places that we visited uh, was probably not the number one site in Italy. It was the catacombs where they used to bury people. Like, how many of you go on vacations to cemeteries? No, 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 not really. So it's really, you know, like, yeah, you're not going to. So it's literally uh, one place a half million Christians because they had to be buried outside of town. It's where early Christians worshipped because Christianity was outlawed. In a, in a way that we would have a hard time imagining. And uh, the Romans thought graveyards were creepy so they didn't bother them there. And the person who led us through that was this guy who was a monk from the Philippines. And he was so different. There was a lot of religious and non-religious tour people and you could tell that it really wasn't a thing in their life that it was just yeah good job but in the place that was probably the least interesting site in some ways he just talked about faith and life and 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 you could tell that it's not what he was doing he got the worst assignment you know if you're going to be a tour guide and, and they said you get the graveyard you know you don't get the vatican or anything like that but it was the most interesting because his faith was alive. And when our faith is alive, when we're experiencing life, when we're from the inside out, it changes everything. But well, how do we get to that place? How do we get to where we're running on empty? This is important uh, so you can see the warning signs. One is chronic boredom. Sort of, you know, You're sort of bored. Nothing gets as exciting anymore. If you've had uh, a depression and you, where it's maybe a chemical issue, you know what that's like. It can lead to emotional numbness where there's this, it's not that you don't feel joy or that you feel angry. It's just that you don't feel much anymore. And uh, that can lead to number three, addictive behaviors. Addiction at its core is a bad substitute for something that we're missing in our heart. In fact, uh, if you've, uh, ever dealt with addiction personally or in your family, you know how powerful and destructive it can be. And the idea is, in fact, if you're struggling right now, is if I could just get rid of this addiction, I'll be okay. And that's just not true. You can, you can be beyond the addiction, but it's not going to fill the emptiness. That's why most addicts go back. There, you need to deal with some of the patterns of behavior, but it's about filling that void that where that addiction came from in the first place that's why secular people uh do not like uh the 12-step programs alcoholics anonymous They, they don't like them because it starts with this premise not only am i uh not powerful but i need god and they're like, oh, we don't like that. Well, let's come up with another program. They have, none of them have been effective. They, millions and millions of dollars have been spent, but, but utterly ineffective. Because when you fill that thing on the inside, that hole that's there, then you can start working on everything else. By the way, if, you're, if you have someone in your family who's struggling with this uh, emotional numbness or addictive behavior... You know, there's, I understand that they've probably done some things that are are bad. And, and you can't call a bad thing good. But my hope is that you'd have some level of compassion. Doesn't mean you tolerate bad behavior. But understanding this is not coming from their best self. Number four, we're easily irritated. Uh, we, <laughs> In fact, I was talking to uh, one parent after the last service and said... You know, I, I think my nine-year-old is struggling with this because he's easily irritated. I said, no, he's a nine-year-old. <laughs> and then there's a lack of purpose. The idea is that I don't know why I'm living. I don't know why I get up in the morning. And I know, see, some of you, you're, you're very courageous in the midst of huge, huge challenges. And I just want to, I want to applaud you for that. But ultimately, we need to get beyond that, and that's what Solomon does. Solomon, in a couple lucid moments, he writes about a way out, and we read this. He says, "I know uh, that there is nothing better for people to, uh, but nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil." Now notice this first part. Uh, if you're like, "Hey, I'm not a God person," you don't need. You apply that principle. That will help your life. You're going to find a little more joy. But you can't get to that complete place of wholeness without God. He says, "Because you need to understand, this is a gift from God, and I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken from it." And there in Ecclesiastes nine two, he describes. A way to to go beyond that emptiness. And maybe you're there and you're saying, I'm looking for that now. I'm looking for that way out. And and I want us uh, to really talk about that together as we consider what's an antidote when we feel like we're running on empty. One is to find your mission. You are made to achieve, you are made to, to live for a purpose. And I would say this though, it's not just about your mission, it's about God's mission. There's a lot of talk now is, you know, I just need to find my true self. And that's a good thing. But you need more than yourself. In fact, maybe if you're just li- living for your mission, you're missing the point. We're living in the moment for that thing that seems to satisfy but God has a great plan and purpose that He invites you into. When we were in uh, Italy, one of the, the, the place that I, I got to tell you that impresses me most is not all the great churches or the Sistine Chapel. That's incredible uh, artwork. I took many illegal pictures there. The uh, <laughs> so, but hopefully they won't extradite me. And uh, but you know the place that impresses me the most, the Colosseum. The Colosseum. There in Circus Maximus, where actually I think most of the brutal executions of Christians happened. If you go to the Colosseum, it, it was the center of life in Rome and the Roman Empire. It, it, they would uh, have these uh, free events and, and give uh, people uh, free entertainment and food, and it's how the emperors kept power. And it, it was an incredible event. They, brutal, they would kill animals, they would kill people. And the idea is, is this would be the big event people would go to again and again and again. And many early Christians, they gave their life. And all they would have had to do is deny Jesus. And they said, I cannot deny that thing that has made me whole. And they went to their deaths. I don't want to talk so much about that, but what I want to talk about is just a historical fact. Now, this is my second time to the Colosseum, and it's interesting when you have the tour guides. I've never had a a, a Christian tour guide. They talk about the glory of the Colosseum, and do you know who ruined the Colosseum? Christians. They were Christians. They ruined this whole thing. And here's how they ruined it. For the first 300 years of Christianity, it was uh, not only illegal, it was very dangerous. Many One of the, the catacombs, graveyards we went to had a half million people buried there. And people would be executed or through deprivation. There are countries today where this happens as well. But but then after Christianity became more ascendant in the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th century, the Colosseum actually was used less and less, and it actually shut down. And they were still offering free games and and free events, but no one would come to them anymore. And both of these secular guides I've had each time I went said, it's because people, they had different interests. And so they didn't go to the Colosseum. Think about that. An empire larger than any empire we would know in modern history, the center of their life, it changed because there were a bunch of people who followed Jesus who wanted to help other people find hope in Jesus, and people's hearts were changed. It, it It would be, actually, if all human trafficking in the world ceased because people lost interest. It's actually of that level, if not a greater level, quite honestly. And you say, well, man, if I could do something like that. See, we were made for more. We were made for more than our own mission. We were made for God's mission. And I encourage you to just say, God, what are you doing? And how can I get on board with that? Now, we have our own personal mission in that. And that changes. That'll change in different seasons of your life. When you're a student, you're a, a, at college. And man, you have a great time to learn and grow. And also, do you know that you'll have the opportunity to talk to people and care for people in a way that maybe other people won't? That'll be transformational. That's your mission. You're, you have little kids at home. They are your primary mission. And so you need to be ready every season in your life. And it changes. That's why you need to be open to what, how God leads. It's called God's Holy Spirit will lead you my i'm part of a couple growth groups here at timberlake i hope you are i know the snow messed them up which means a lot of them have only met once or twice if you want to jump in Uh, and so uh, one is a men's group Uh, another group is for uh, people who their kids have just left the house they've left uh for college sort of empty nesters and so we get together on Friday nights and we celebrate with one another and i no no I mean we study the Bible together uh, the uh, uh and so uh we we have that you know why by the way if you're heading towards that two things happen uh and, and this is not just my opinion there's actually research uh behind it uh when you head towards that there are two two places of caution one, people, a lot of people sort of walk away from God at that point. And two, they walk away from their marriage at that point, too. In huge rates right around that. Because the, the purpose was the kids for that season, but they need a, a greater person, purpose for the next season. And then number two, uh, lean into your uh, work vocationally and spiritually. Ecclesiastes 9 says, what... Uh, whatever you do, do it with all your might. And so you, you, we have to understand that we talked, I did a whole series on work. I love talking about bringing God into the workplace, not in a weird way where you're like standing up on a table and saying, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus, but where we just allow our faith to be integrated into our work life, and that is transformational for us and the people around us. I had someone ask me, though, recently, who was fairly new Christian, uh, and they had uh, the husband had uh, become a Christ father in the last couple years here at Timberlake and said hey what are the things we're supposed to do to help us grow in our faith because uh, it's important this life with God is a relationship and I as I just share a few things I want I want you to hear this though you don't earn God's love or God's favor you don't uh, behave your way into or out of Christianity it's a gift from God Ephesians 2:8. 8 is a free gift from God but there are some steps that we look to as a church we say how are we winning uh, the first one and you don't have to write these down if you want to you can write them to the side is uh, we want every person it, first you got to say yes to Jesus God has no grandchildren no one becomes a Christian by accident I remember one of my fraternity brothers in college I said, uh, you know, I was talking to him and I said, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah, I'm an American. <laughs> yeah, you know that. <laughs> uh, but th- th- no, it's not because you're an American. or it- We each decide whether we're going to say yes to Jesus. And if you've never done that, man, that's where it all begins. And then, uh, so, so we, we want to celebrate that with you. What, baptism, that's a big one around here. I've had people say, why do you talk about baptism so much? Because the Bible talks about it. Jesus actually commanded believers to be baptized. And so. Uh, and it's something that doesn't cost you anything. And it's an easy step in a sense. Where you say I identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you've believed and have not yet been baptized. I encourage you to do that. It's a huge party around here. We celebrate with you. But that's a spiritual step. and Because every time I say yes to Jesus. I have the, uh, the willingness and the want to, to say yes to say yes again and again. Uh, third, there's worship. We worship God. The only thing we'll do in the New Testament, Old Testament, and Heaven, we see worship. And I know I'm talking to the group of people who came to church on Daylight Savings Time weekend. So you are like the Marine Corps of Christianity. Uh, but truly, w- one of the things, I, when I was in college, I went to a church, and honestly, the music and, and that kind of stuff was definitely not for me. And uh, some of my friends were drifting away and i thought you know what but isn't worship about god not me and so i'm going to be there and say god i just want to and really pay you your due respect there's also serving uh is important you want to find your life jesus says as you give it away now you'll probably most people have a ministry in the church and but a ministry outside the church as well there's something that happens. We find purpose in life when we serve. Uh, that same fraternity brother of mine from college later on uh, became uh, a Christian. And he's also, he's an attorney, has found some great success as well. And, and then, he, as we were talking, he was saying uh, about this fifth grade class of boys that he teaches at his church. And he was talking about what a difference he is making because he's serving and this is a guy who has significant career success but he knows what he does for jesus will last an eternity and we're not the kind of church where you know everyone you have a six month application to serve somewhere now there's are certain areas where we you know teach in the bible we want to you know make sure you actually believe this thing and uh, uh but there's great areas To to serve in the church, it can be with our homeless ministry, uh, Acres of Diamonds. It could be as we minister out in the community, uh, kids and and, uh, the coffee people, I believe, are like the Levites of the Old Testament, (laughs) the the priests, you know. Uh, But somewhere we find serving. That's a way you grow spiritually. I would love to say all you need to do is to listen to me every weekend and that's all you ever need to grow. That's part of it but it's when I serve, I grow. There's also giving. Generosity is a big deal. The funny thing is our culture, you know, I've heard this thing. Well, you know, I don't want to go to church. All they ever talk about is money. Can I tell you all anyone ever talks about is money. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Those of you who work for big corporations, that shall not be named. But what do they do? Do they talk to you about giving, giving, giving? I see it everywhere. Signs and pressure and emails and your boss. And you're like, it's like, sometimes, honestly, it goes into manipulation. Don't don't ever let anyone manipulate you around your money. But if you want to grow spiritually, you will have a generous heart. And you will give, I hope, to God's mission and ministry first. And that'll be regular. That's, you know, we talked about checks. Uh, You know, I know some of you write checks and we appreciate your investment in Timberlake. But most people give on our app. They say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do that. Maybe set that up, Rig Curry. You know, the Bible talks more about priority than amount. And, you know, it's not, it's that I put God first. There's also uh, connection and community. I hope you do that with our groups. And then there's life on mission. We send out a lot of people. Uh, someone was uh, saying they didn't know. You know, we, we built, own, and operate an orphanage in Haiti, one of the nicest in that country. And uh, we send teams there and, and to the Dominican Republic. And with North Korean refugees, we're sending out a team. And, and, and Mexico working among some of the poorest of the poor of not in Mexico. You know, Mexico has different classes of people. And there are peop- some people who are quite poor there. And so that we have an opportunity to live on mission, whether it was a team that went to share the gospel in in Poland or with uh, the homeless ministry where we're the parent organization locally. But you know that sometimes it's not just about ministry in our community, and I keep on doing that in our world. But it's with people who just have given up on God; they have that empty feeling. In fact, there's this time of year about uh five weeks or so six weeks or so we're gonna we're gonna have easter services and uh it's a great opportunity people seem to be spiritually open during that time and you might be thinking now who am i going to invite uh, to come that that they would hear that i hear every year i hear people you know i came for the first time on christmas and easter and uh i started god got my attention and then people who came into a relationship with Jesus because you took the step to invite. And when you do that, I always say this. If, if you're talking to someone, just say, hey, why don't you come with me on Easter? If you don't like it, you never need to come back. And, uh, but you know what? The, the music is good. The coffee is excellent. The pastor is easy on the eyes. I mean, there's so many reasons to come. And, uh, there, uh, but, but the truth is, that's your mission. It's in the world is to serve and then there are three other intangibles to your growth is one uh to uh, more loving pastor dave talked about this you know that forgiveness is not a concept it's an action who in your life who would you share that with Uh, read the bible get, get an opportunity we have a seminar after easter where we do this about a couple times a year helping you get around the bible i understand if you're not a bible person it can be hard to to get around but we want you to grow spiritually where you're a self-feeder and to pray really understand that intimacy with god well the third thing that uh solomon talks about is to have some fun isn't that interesting he says there's nothing better than to to eat drink and enjoy life and some of you are saying now that's a religion i could buy into but see see it's not just about partying see there's uh a difference between joy and pessimism you know what it is it's gratitude it's the understanding that life is a gift and so i that i understand that that it's not about me striving it's about what god has provided and that's number four live with eternity in focus i have the opportunity to do memorial services i i did one yesterday Great guy, uh, engineer. We have more than a few engineers here at the church. And uh, I remember a conversation that we had. And the conversation uh, was this. He, he knew he had cancer. He knew it was terminal. And, uh, you know, he was an engineer setting everything up in a row. He says, okay, I want to know what's next and how to be prepared for it. And just seeing his life. I and mean, he was a good guy anyway. Coming to really that, that fullness of life in Jesus Christ. See, we can live for the kingdom of me, which is inward focus, it's, it, it's my possessions, my, my reputation, my resume, or the kingdom of God that never perishes, spoils our faith, that is goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, love. And that's what Jesus invites us into. I, as, we, as we focus on that, I want to read some scripture passages to you. And maybe if you're feeling like you're running on empty, here's the promises we find in the Bible. It says, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. We don't even know how God is going to fulfill that void. It says, better is one day in your courts, than a thousand elsewhere you know king david as he wrote that you know why he wrote that because he had spent life elsewhere and in revelation when the last the last book of the bible it says he being god will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more mourning nor death or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away there is another uh person who we read in the bible god inspired him His name was Jeremiah. He was a prophet. And he was known as the weeping prophet. Because all he ever did is complain about everything. Literally. In fact, there's a book. Some of you, you're not a Bible person. Do you know that there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Lamentations? Do you know what it literally means? The Book of Complaints. There's a complaining book in the Bible. If you're a Debbie Downer, there's a book for you. And so, the, the, the truth is, though, in the middle of his complaining... And he's saying, God, you know, you're not doing anything. My life is a mess. Everyone's a mess. No one. And and one of my favorite parts in the whole Bible, let alone this book, is when he's in the middle of that place where he's running on empty. He says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning great is your faithfulness. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.